What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 129. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. I'm feeling tired. I just had some cereal with some chocolate in it, so hopefully that gives me a boost of energy. Okay. Uh, I'm also going to get drink a bit of whiskey here. I'm drinking mm. the bullet again. I spoke to Ryan. Uh, okay. Ryan's a patron, but also listening to the regular show, and he corrected me on the pronunciation even though it's spelt b-u-l-l-e-i-t it's still pronounced bullet okay don't know anything about it but have you warmed up to this whiskey not at all but i'm trying he he says it's really good he likes to drink it in his in his old fashions and i was going all right cool i like old fashions so i can get behind that obviously i'm not drinking an old-fashioned right now i'm just doing it right out of the bottle um but uh you know, so far so good i suppose Let's try. I'm really just trying to get used to it. (laughs) Just build up a tolerance as you take a sip and grimace. You know what? It's better today. Maybe because it's colder. I don't know. I put put it closer to the the side of the basement that it's colder. It's not as watery it feels like. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe it's in my head. Could could totally be. Uh, I'm joining you on the whiskey train, but we're going with uh, Old Reliable Jack Honey tonight. Nice. Is there, you get a tickle in your throat? Is that why you're doing it? Or are you just doing it just for the, the poops and giggles? Nope, just felt like a felt like a drink and said, you know what? We're gonna go with the Jack Daniels honey. That's good. Good job by you. Uh, do you want to get into this Islanders stuff instead of us talking about whiskey? Although I guess we should just do whiskey podcasts, right? I mean, spin off <laughs> maybe, perhaps. Uh, the most uninformed whiskey podcast ever. <laughs> be like, does it taste good? Yep. Okay, that's it. That's the show. Check. <laughs> <laughs> so the Islanders have played two games since returning. Wait, first edition. edition. Boom. Oh. Forgot about that. So it's the 29th uh, over 100 that we do. And with that, we try to find a player who's played exactly 29 games for the New York Islanders. And today's edition is the Martin Biron edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast. Okay. You remember Martin Biron? Maybe. Oh, boy. All right. Well, well so. I'm going to ask you three questions about him later on in the show. But this show is dedicated to Martin Biron. Now on to the, the rest of it. Okay. 
So the Islanders played a couple of games since returning from their all-star break slash bye week slash never-ending hiatus. <laughs> it felt like forever. Uh, but they played on Saturday and then last night. Both games went into overtime. Both games kind of frustrating, but they were 1-0-1 since their return. And they were frustrating for the same reason, right? Goaltending. Yeah, pretty, for the most part, yeah. On so we'll start with Saturday's game, which I went to and got the Hawaiian shirt, by the way. I am loving the Hawaiian shirt. I'm really jealous about that. That seems like the most boss summer barbecue shirt ever. Oh, I'm going to wear that from May to September. God, yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm really jealous. If you, listener, have an extra one that you want to get rid of for some reason, hit me up and I will send you my address. I will pay for shipping. <laughs> there you go. So uh, we went to the game. And it was frustrating because, like, exactly like you said, the goaltending, if they got, like, half-decent goalie play, they would have won in regulation. Yeah, in, in both games. <laughs> in both games. And it's a really frustrating that that's what it is because the Islanders have built themselves off of having solid goaltending over the last two years. Well, maybe not two years, year and a half, let's say. That they their foundation is from the back end. It starts from a solid defensive line as well as solid goaltending, and then they build from that. Um, but they have not been receiving solid goaltending over the last two days, right? Like Grice had a nine oh three last night, and I forget what Varlamov yeah. had against the uh, Canucks, but I don't imagine it's any better than that. It was the the inverse. It was Varley last night and Grice right after the break. Sorry, that's right. Uh, Grice held at eight thirty three, so even worse, a whole lot worse. Yeah, and he let in uh, two soft goals as opposed to just one from Varlamov last night. That's right. If you want our more instant take where we're a little bit more fired up about this, head over to the patron, patron.com slash eyes on aisles, sign up for the $5 a month club, and that gets you post-game podcasts after every single New York Islanders game. We did one immediately after the Vancouver one, immediately after the Dallas one, and you got our honest, hot feelings after, like, Kiefer Bellows playing. We'll get to him later. And these terrible, terrible goals we're referencing. So head on over, patron.com slash eyes on aisles, sign up for the five-buck-a-month club, and I'll love you forever. Exactly. We just want to give you the context before we dive into our topics of the week, but just wanted to get out there that, yeah, they're back. They played a couple of games, won one, picked up a point, and another overtime loss. But overall, some things to be frustrated about, which I think you kind of hinted at what our first main topic is going to be, and I want to get to that and talk, talk more about that, which is Kiefer Bellows. So he gets the call up, and he plays in his first game last night. We'll start with your reaction to him actually getting called up, and then what you thought of him on uh, Tuesday night. I can tell you exactly where I was in my house, what time of day it was, and what I was doing when I found out. Okay. I was working out, just about to head into the shower, and I see my phone light up. I follow Arthur Staple on Twitter, so whenever he tweets something out, it comes up on my phone. Okay. Uh, I should do the same thing for Andrew Gross, but like, anyways, I don't want the, the same tweets twice. It comes up, Islanders recall or call up Kiefer Bellows. I don't have a shirt on. I, I'm wearing my boxers and I'm running down the house to get my laptop to start typing something up. I'm going to go tippy-tappy on the keyboard. My daughter looks at me saying, Papa, like, where are you going? I have to go. I have work is calling, Basha. Here's Paw Patrol. Sit there for 20 minutes, please. Yeah, pop on Paw Patrol. Yeah. His daddy goes and types up 300 words quick on a quick reaction to Kiefer what Bellows. What is Marshall and Ryder up to? I got Kiefer Bellows news to deal with. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. 
Uh, uh, so I, I'm glad they did it. I didn't foresee it coming, right? Like, we had no idea that they were going to do this because it didn't... He hasn't been outstanding recently necessarily, right? Like, his, he hasn't been in the game, a goal every game form that he was in uh, just a couple of weeks ago. It kind of tapered off a bit. And he was still scoring and putting up points, just not in the same frequency as he's doing it when he was hot. So it was clearly that that Lou was looking at him saying like, well, we got to try something. So might as well try this now that we're back from, you know, back and we're, we're at home for a couple of days. Might as well. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I, too, wasn't expecting it. I found out way after the fact. And by way after the fact, I mean like an hour after it happened. Because I was teaching at the time, so I didn't have my phone on me. And then I went back, and my friend texted me. I know I know she's listening, so thank you for texting me. <laughs> uh, and she's like, they called up Bellows? Question marks? And I was like, no way. So I go, the first thing I do, I open Twitter, and it's just my whole timeline is just the reaction to it. And I was like, oh, my God, they actually did it. Right? Like, I didn't think they would do it either. I thought they'd wait out the year and then just kind of, okay, well, he played a full season. It looked good. We'll try him out at camp. We'll see where it goes from that. No, they're going all in. But with that being said, I know it came up a couple of times. Do you think they're just putting him in the shop window? That was one of the thoughts that crossed my mind. I hope not. And that's going to sound really hypocritical in about 40 minutes. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But I I hope not. Like I want to see, I want them to actually give him a shot and be like, "Let's see if you could help us." I don't want it to be like, "Here, we're gonna dangle this nice little toy out, and maybe someone will want it, and we could trade." I thought it could be a possibility of them putting him in the shop window, but then when you saw the usage that he got against Dallas, you're going, "If they're doing that, they're not doing a good job of it. They're putting him in the back window behind some of the really old stuff, like on the clearance rack, is what they're doing." If this is them put them putting him in the shop window with what nine minutes of ice time. Yeah, but that's a lot more. The scary part is that's a lot more than the other Islanders rookie forwards were getting. A la Otto Coivolo getting four and a half minutes and Oliver Wallstrom getting like six minutes a night. Well, it didn't start that way with Wallstrom, right? Like it started with him getting like 15 minutes of ice time on that second line. And then it tapered off consistently when Barry Trotz is like, this kid doesn't have it yet. He's not there yet. I can't play him, right? It, like You look at his ice time in the nine games he was here and went from like 15, 16 minutes and it went down to that six, and then he was scratched the next game, and then gone. And then we never saw him again. Yeah, so that's not the case here, is they're trying to build him up. So I, I'm, I'm now distancing myself from putting him in the shop window theory. Uh, I really think this is them trying to see, like, look, he's scoring a bunch of goals at the AHL. What else is the AHL for than developing players? If he's doing this at the AHL level, we have to figure out if he can do it now. And what are we gaining from the guys we have on the third line right now anyways, right? Yeah, I mean, think about it. The ceiling that he has is significantly higher than what Tom Kunakel, Ross Johnson, or even Michael Del Cole, who played uh, on the wing, is going to, to give you. So yeah, to me, I'm willing to take that little bit of quote-unquote risk in playing a younger guy who might make a couple of mistakes rather than Ross Johnston, who is the same thing as Matt Martin, which I I don't like when they're both in the lineup. I think he's fine in that role, but having two of those forwards in a 12-man rotation doesn't work. And Tom Kunakel, who really is in a perfect situation, your 13th forward. 
Yeah, and so and that's the thing. You bring him in to see if they can fill that role. And what we saw against Dallas, and again, nine minutes of ice time, right? I'm just trying to get the number here. Nine, ten. Nine minutes, ten seconds worth of ice time. We saw a lot from him. Like, he was really good. He did everything well. Everything he needed to do, he did it well in that nine and a half minutes or nine minutes and ten seconds of ice time. Even Barry Trotz said after the game, he's playing with a short stick. Not literally short, but as in, like, he's not chasing pucks. He's not chasing players. He's strong in the corner. He's strong along the boards. He's getting himself in good positions. And he had a good shot. He only had one one shot on goal, but it was a good one. And he picked up an assist from a nice forecheck. Like, he's doing the good systemic things that, that Barry Trotz is teaching already out of the gate, which already vaults him ahead of Oliver Wallstrom. Yeah, I would definitely think so. I mean, obviously, the sample size is a little different. It was only one game. But nonetheless, right. he did. He was a little bit more noticeable than Oliver Wallstrom. I would agree with that point because, like you said, the shot on his first shift was – it didn't go in, but it, it, it made his presence felt. And then uh, his play on that goal or right before the goal – uh, scored from Derek Broussard. He made a nice play to keep the puck in the Islanders' zone, get possession back, and then feed it to Broussard, who would end up beating Ben Bishop on a really weird angle. You're right. Like That was a, for- a fortuitous goal, as, as Butch likes to call it, because yeah. you don't think that that would go in any other day. It did, though, but it, it went in, and it was in that position because Kiefer Bellows played it strong on the, on the, on the blue line defensively. That's what you want to see. That's what Barry Trotz has been preaching. So already he's playing to the system, which is something that I I keep bringing back to Wallstrom. Wallstrom wasn't doing. Like the reason he's back at the AHL is they said, this kid doesn't necessarily know how to play hockey. He can shoot, he can score, he can skate, he can do these things, but he can't play within a system. No one taught him how to play, right? Like this is all natural for him. So he needs to learn how to play within a group unit, within a system. And that's why Kiefer Bellows already knows how to do that is now showing the, the the benefits of that kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I'm already at a loss for words. Uh, the benefit of being able to play within that system. Right, which that makes sense. And that's that's a huge thing specifically for Barry Trotz when you can trust a guy to go out there and do a job defensively or do the job he wants him to do. Well, I will trust you and I will put you out there more frequently. Like I would imagine his ice time in the next game is above 10 minutes. I would hope so. I mean, I really would at that point. I don't think he jumps to like a second line duty, which everyone wants. And I, I, I get it, but it's not going to happen with Barry Trotz at the helm. Not yet. Um, they're going to keep him on that on that third line. Like they, he gave them a, like a defibrillator. Like he just acted and jolted them to life. Uh, so like if he can keep doing that, then that's great for the Islanders. They can well, get I mean, him scoring and the third line going. Wow. Well, I mean, look at that third line. It's not exactly... Full of life. Uh, Broussard's <laughs> hanging on by a thread. Dal Cole's not really moving the needle. And like we said with Johnston and Kunakel, they're, I don't know, they're more defensive roles, I guess. Well, you still need those guys around, right? You need oh, guys sure, to take sure. a minute and guys that you're going to trust. But you still also need guys who can put pucks in net or at least towards the net. And that's what Kiefer Bellows gives you. So you can put him in and you can still keep Tom Kunakel. Tom Kunakel can do a job or Michael Dal Cole can still do a job on that third line. But at least you have more depth presence, it seems. It seems. Again, yes, you're absolutely right when you said it. He's only played nine minutes and ten seconds, and we can't go too overboard on that. Like, who knows what happens the next game. But so far, so good, and he's building his confidence. So I agree with you. I'm thinking that in the next game, so if you're listening to this, it would most likely be today's game, Thursday, Yeah. Um, when they play the Kings, that uh, his ice time should go up. And more and more confidence should build, like you were saying, as he continues to get his feet wet in the NHL. 
He started, like you said earlier, he started slow in the AHL, but came on a little bit stronger, and he definitely provides a little bit of an offensive mindset to a line that really had none for the entire year. That's right. Um, do you think he sticks it, though? Like, do you think he sticks around longer than... I, I just want to make sure that he's, he's on a slideable deal. I believe he is. Um, do you think he sticks past when he should... Um, past the nine games? I hope so. I really do. I don't care about the slide anymore. He was drafted four years ago. Let's let's get it moving. I don't care about the nine game sample size. Well, it's just you burn a year, right? Like in, in this case, you don't burn a year. It also lowers the cap hit. Um, so I, I, if he's playing well, I don't want that to factor in, right? I I don't want to have to do that. But if he's not playing well, then you have to consider that. It's just, that's essentially what I'm getting at. Do you think that he plays well enough that they're going to be willing to burn a year? Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be like Devontae's levels. But I think it'll be enough for where he shows you that, that he belongs. If he keeps this up, absolutely. Even if he doesn't necessarily score, but he's putting up points and playing the system well. Like Michael Del Cole isn't necessarily scoring and he's still sticking around. So why the heck not, right? I guess. Yeah, and that that's the thing. If, if Michael Del Cole could stick around. And I think Bellows, what helps him is... That, yes, he does have some offensive upside, but he's also a bigger body who's not afraid to get down in the boards into the dirty areas, like Butch likes to say, and do the little things, which I think helps him out a little bit. Well, we forget that Michael Del Cole isn't a small guy either. Like, he's 6'3", 200, I think, one, no, maybe I'm 190. Agree. I agree. Like That's what I'm saying, where guys like Oliver Wallstrom and Josh Sang don't necessarily have that trait. Correct. Right. Okay. Yes. 100% agree. Um, so I, I think he can do it if he keeps up what he's done now. It's hard to see him regress from that completely because, again, it wasn't anything like he didn't put up like crazy goals or, or get a power play goal. He just played the system well. He fit in the role that he was assigned, and he did the job he was supposed to do. Uh, so I, I would imagine that he could do it again, and he can do it sustainably. Absolutely. Anything else on Keeper Bellows and his call-up? Just really looking forward to the Isles meltdown when Barry Trotz doesn't play him against the Kings. <laughs> I really hope that. He's, he's done that. He's done that, right? Just to like toy with us. It's happened a time or two. That is definitely for sure. Mitch, when we come back, we're going to get into the playoffs and how the playoff chances aren't such a sure thing anymore. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode 129. Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson. We're talking playoff chances. And Mitch, after the 17-game point streak, that seems like years and years and years ago. This is like a completely different team. Uh, as of right now, they are the first wild card. As we know, when they were in the midst of their point streak, they were second in second place in the Metropolitan Division, eventually dropped to third. It got as far down as to the second wild card spot and one point out of the playoffs. Things are getting a little dicey, Mitch. Yeah, they're real dicey. They still have, according to like Money Puck, 74.9% to make the playoffs, um, which is still great. We'll take that, obviously. Uh, but with that being said, they're three points out of the wild card. Oh, it's three points above a wild the, the wild card spot, right? Like that's not great. They're not they're not giving themselves much of a cushion to work with. Although they do have two games in hand, uh, it's just you would like to see them more than three points ahead after a seventeen game point streak. You really would, because you, they were so dominant for that period of time, and now it's just not so much at all. Like they have a two game point streak, right? Right now, like is it only two games? 
I forget about the break though because it's so damn long uh, ago. Well, they beat the Rangers right before the break, and then I don't. Did they pick up an overtime loss in the game before that? They did a shootout loss. They're on a four-game point streak. Look at that. We're cooking. We're cooking, baby. Okay, I guess positive spin zone. But they are only 4-3-3 three, and three over their last 10. Like, that's not great. The teams behind them, like Philly, 7-2-1, and one, and they're one point behind. Or Carolina, 5-4-1. and one. Montreal is 7-3-0, seven, seven, and oh, although they're, they're pretty far back. And then you got Toronto that's just behind them by three points at 4-4-2 four, four, and two over the last 10. Or what about Columbus, who just jumped them? Aren't they like 8-1-1? One, and one? They are. 8-1-1. One, and one. Pittsburgh's 8-2-0. and oh. Like, they're not keeping up with the teams ahead no. of them either. No, absolutely not. And that's the thing that's so tough about this division is you have, what, six teams who are relevant? Five, six? I would say six. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Because um, Carolina, again, 63 has only three points back. So you have all the, the, the first three and then Isles, Philadelphia, Carolina, all in the mix. It's it's not going to be an easy fight. And they have, what, it's 30, 31 games, I think. 31 games to go. Yes, that's right. It's going to be a dogfight the rest of the way, for lack of a better term. Every single night's going to be a grind, and these are all must-win games. Obviously, you're not going to win every single night. I'm not expecting that, but the point is that each one of these games, you got to beat up on the Kings, who are hot garbage. The next, next week is not an easy task. You have two very tough road games. You're facing the Capitals and... Um, the Golden Knights. Golden or, Knights. Sorry, Na- Tampa. Tampa and, and Washington. Yes, there you go. That's not cool. Tampa, Washington, Philly are the next three. Eesh. Like there, there's there's two four point games right there. Like yes, I know they're not really catching Washington, but that's you know there's there's still I, I guess maybe four points to the rest of the teams. Maybe that's maybe too too much of a stretch there for for a four point night. But at least Philly's a four point game. I would say. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, yeah, it's, it's not getting easier for them. Like They're not doing themselves a lot of favors. Even the, the regulation wins, which is the first tiebreaker now in the NHL. It's not row, it's just RW. So regulation wins. The Islanders have 19. Only one team in the Metropolitan Division has fewer than them, and that's the New Jersey Devils. Wow. So not great. I, it, again, it's a tiebreaker, but they don't, they don't have the first tiebreaker over any team in, in the division. Not one. Okay, that's not a good sign. And, and like by a healthy margin, right? Philly's, well, maybe not healthy margin. That was too, that was too aggressive of me to say. Philly's next at 20. So they're not too far behind Philly. But, you know, that's, they're not, the Rangers have more. Rangers have 22. And they're not even a factor right now. No, they're not, they're not in it yet. They're playing better hockey, but they're not in it yet. So they, they need to start winning games in regulation. And, and to do that, like we ta- talked about in the, uh, when we preface the games they played this week, their goaltending needs to clean up some of the garbage they've been they've been allowing in over the last week. Yeah, like we said earlier, you really need above league average goalie play in order for the system to work with the Islanders' lack of offense. And when you don't get it, it, it makes you look a lot worse than what you really are. Right, because their their whole system is predicated, on, like I said before, on defense and goaltending. But it's also not giving up too many uh, good opportunities to the opposition. And they've been doing that, and they're paying for it. We saw that against the Dallas Stars. 
just one bad turnover from Brock Nelson in the offensive zone. The Stars come back on a three-on-two, and it's right in the net. And that was their fourth line. We're not talking about Taylor Segay, Alex Radulov, and Jamie Benn on the ice. No, no, we're talking about Jason Dickinson, who's a made-up <laughs> name. That's a made-up name right there. <laughs> Might as well be. That's like... Uh... When you create a player and it's just like the generic name that comes up. Yeah, exactly. So just like Mitch Anderson, that's a super generic name right there. <laughs> a little bit, but yeah. you're not generic to us. We all know I'm a real person. Uh, so they, they really need to clean up these mistakes that they've been giving up, specifically on the goaltending side. Like the, the defense has its issues, but every defense is going to have issues. And, and yes, goaltenders will give up goals. But some of the goals they've been giving up, like the Varlamov one against it was Dallas, right? Where he's trying to bat it in the, out of the air like some Jedi Knight or something. Yeah, he, there was a shot from I, one of the uh, defensemen fired in a really weak shot from the, the point. Like it was like a wrister from the point and it somehow went in. Yeah, because again, he was going, he's in the butterfly and he's thinking, I'm going to bat this puck that's coming at me, coming at me midair. I'm going to hit it with my stick and direct it into the corner. Except he misses the puck like he goes too early and the puck finds a hole right in the five hole and right in. What the hell are you doing? Just stop it. Yes, you might give a rebound. And yes, it might fall instead of you catching it. Maybe just allow that because at least you stopped that shot. Worry about the next one. Right. That's the thing. I think they're trying to do too much almost. Like just keep the simple route, you know? Which... Like the word I'm going to use is stupefies me because that seems like the entire system is just do the simple things well and the rest will come. But it seems like in this case, the goaltending isn't necessarily doing that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I definitely do. And like we said, it's not just one, right? Like we've had periods this year where one goalie may not be doing well. All right, we'll bring the other guy in and he'll take up the slack. But right now it's both. We're like we're back in the, the one-on-one-off rotation and against the... What was it again? The first team, the Vancouver Canucks. You know, you had that one really bad a shot from um, Quinn Hughes right along the blue, uh, the, the goal line that found a hole in, in uh, Thomas Grice. And now you have the one from the blue line finding the five hole wide open. <laughs> again, blue line, like you know. said, on a wrister, wide open down the middle. What the hell is going on here? I, I, I don't know. That was That was very strange. It was quite odd. And that needs to be cleaned up. ASAP because they don't have the room to forgive that kind of mistakes for those kind of mistakes. They were, they were lucky the other day. They were really lucky against Dallas to be able to get back in that one. No, they were that they did enough to lose that game. (laughs) Yes. Which is not something you want to do, which is sad because we didn't mention this when we talked about the games earlier, but in the Dallas game, that first period, they left one, one, but that was the best period of hockey they played in a really long time. They were as dominant as you can expect. They had eight high-danger chances for in the first period alone. I think that they, they led the Corsi by 57%, which is not a very Islanders thing to do. They were just all over the Stars, and they still left tied. How do you do that? I don't know. That game, should, it should have been at least 2 nothing leaving the first period. At right? Least. The only goal they scored, they being Dallas, is the power play goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the power play goal. Yeah, exactly. of course. So, garbage. Uh, something else that I found interesting that I wanted to talk about briefly uh, was something that I wrote this week about uh, the last five Stanley Cup winners and offense because mm. I think one of the issues that we could all talk about with the Islanders is their offense. We're going to get into a trade scenario in just a little bit and what could potentially help that out. But 
while it's important to look at defense and goal differential and stuff like that, you still need to have a reasonable offense. So of the last five Stanley Cup winners, only one of those teams had an offense that was in the bottom half of the league, and that was in 2015 with the um, Chicago Blackhawks. Everyone else was in the top half of the league every single year. And the Islanders are 22nd goals for all situations, 22nd goals for five on five, like the bottom tier, bottom tier. So th- the point, is, if you want to make any kind of noise in the playoffs, you have to have some form of offense. And while we were talking about the goalies and they need to be better, that's 100% true. They do. But I think when looking at this team, everyone could agree that the biggest thing holding them back is offense. Oh, it's 100% right. Like, yeah, the offense is holding them back. Because we've always heard, like, defense wins championships. Well, defense can only win championships if the offense is working. Because you need offense, too. Like, you, you can't win a game without scoring. You need to score. So you need some sort of offense. And the Islanders, yes, they have some offense. They don't have a great offense. Like, if, if Matthew Barzell and Brock Nelson are shut out, that's it. You're done. Good luck. It certainly seems that way, at least recently. So, like, they need to turn that around. It's not to say that they, they need a, a, a top-tier guy, although that would certainly help. But of I course. think even if they bring in, like, a secondary option, like like a Mike Hoffman or something around those mm-hmm. lines, that changes everything because you've now added another piece to the puzzle, another another stick, if you will, to worry about. Ideally, for me, you bring in a top-tier guy because that changes everything, and oh, that immediately course. makes you a, a, a contender. Uh, but if you bring in a guy like a Hoffman, like a, a another tier, a below tier, you've changed the equation and the math a little bit for defense for other teams to defend against you. Right. Even if you can get in someone who's going to give you 20 to 25 goals and like 50, 60 points, like I'm not even talking like that point per game player, but if you're at like a someone who can give you about 50 points and 20 to 25 goals, that's just another, like you said, another guy that you have to worry about. And it strengthens that third line that's been such an black hole for so long because someone else could come down into that slot it really has been an absolute black hole for the islanders i, I know we want to talk about like sezikis and martin and, and when clutterbuck is here or clutterbuck or komarov now uh playing essentially third line minutes and that's true but mm-hmm. that means that the islanders only have three real lines because that fourth one if you want to call it that just isn't doing anything they need someone to be able to put out there so that they can roll four lines. That was the strength of theirs last year, and they don't have that strength this year, and it shows. Right. Like, that Valtteri Fopi line, line last year was really good, and they got a lot out of that line. This year, it, it really hasn't been the case. And you know what? I'll, I'm going to give Leo Komarov some credit. He's done well in the fourth line. And I think that was my thing all along with him. It wasn't so much Leo Komarov as much as it was the role that Leo Komarov was in. 1,000% accurate. Absolutely. And we've seen that played out like against the Rangers, right? The first Rangers game when Sezikis was already out, Clutterbuck was already, his wrist was in a million pieces, and then Matt yep. Martin gets ejected. The second that fourth line is gone, now you really only have two lines. Yeah. I, what are you supposed to do with that? Like, great, you have your two most offensive lines. Cool, but they got to play the whole 60 minutes. That's difficult. No, it is. It is. And when the Tom Kunakles and Ross Johnsons of the world have to eat up a significant amount of ice time, that's when things start to get dicey. 
right? Like they did that against Detroit, and Detroit started coming back. Oh my God, what are the odds? Yeah, a little sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else on the uh, playoffs and/or standings update? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too worried yet. Uh, I, I'm getting concerned, but I, I think the Islanders are just going through a midseason lull, and then uh, now that the games are coming thick and fast, they'll, they'll wake up. I'm nervous. I don't know. Like, I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs, but I'm definitely nervous. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. And then once they get there, I know it's, a, you know, you can, as long as you get there, anything can happen. Um, but I'm not convinced that they can go very far. So there's as that. currently As currently constructed. Correct. Yes, of course. All right. So with that, let's get into a trade scenario, Mitch. So would you like to explain what this trade scenario is? Correct. Uh, yes. Why do I say correct? That was so stupid of me. Jesus, Murphy. Too much of this bullet, I guess. Uh, all right. So the trade scenario here was proposed by Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic. And so here's the, the, the trade proposal. It's Ottawa Senators trade Jean-Gabriel Peugeot and Ron Hainty to the New York Islanders in exchange for a 2020 conditional second-round pick, a conditional third-round pick in 2021, and prospect Kiefer Bellows. Not done yet. Okay. The conditions, the second-round pick, so the second-round pick in 2020 becomes a first-round pick if the Isles reach the second round and Peugeot plays in at least 50% of the games. Okay. The third round pick in 2021 becomes a second if Peugeot re-signs with the Isles. If he doesn't sign with the Isles, the Sens get a third rounder in 2021, which that makes sense. That's it. Okay. So do you do that trade? This is where I become hypocritical from earlier. Yes, I do. Okay. You, all right. I, I wouldn't necessarily. Okay, how come? Tell me. I put a different condition on. My condition is not that they reach the uh, the second round, that they reach the conference finals. We've reached the second rounds without Peugeot before. We want to go further. That's why we're acquiring him. So I would at least make it the conference finals, and then I would definitely make the straight. Okay. I feel like we're splitting hairs a little bit. Well, a little bit. Like uh, What I'm trying to do is... I want to make sure that the conditions we're giving up is worth him. Like, I don't want to give up a first round pick to get, just give a first round pick here. Cause I think that they could still make the second round of the playoffs without Jean Gabriel Peugeot because they've done that before with the very same team. Yes. I know Robin Leonard wasn't there, but they seem to be just fine without him. They're around, roughly around the same place they were with Robin Leonard on the, on the lineup. So it's not necessarily a Robin Leonard situation. I want to bring in Peugeot because I think he's going to help us get further than the second round. So I'm not going to willy-nilly give up a first-rounder if I don't... If I, Sorry, what, how am I trying to say this? I am only willing to give up a first-rounder if I'm going to go further than I went the year before. Okay. I'm going to put... My argument or rebuttal to that would be... So as currently constructed, do you think that they can get to the second round, right? Yes. If they acquire Pajot, yep. do you think they go to the Cubs final? I think they could, yes. So you're not willing to take that gamble? That's basically all you're doing is just taking the, the gamble. Right, I'm taking the gamble, but I changed the parameters a little bit. Uh, you're right, and like it is semantics, but I'm changing the parameters a little bit. Just to say that, because this one here says as long as you reach the second round. Right, for right, me, but you, if you conference think that you're finals. Making, but if you think you're making the conference final anyway, what's the difference? No, no, I'm sorry. Maybe I misunderstood the question. Maybe I misunderstood. I'm... 
I'm only comfortable in giving up a first round if the condition on this pick is going to the conference finals. That's what I'm that's what I'm trying to say entirely. And maybe I'm I'm misunderstanding your question, so maybe say it again so my dumb dumb head can understand it. All I'm saying is if you acquire Pajot, do you think you're going to the conference final? Yes. Okay, so then what's the difference then? I don't know. I don't understand why this is like some sort of gotcha question. I don't know. I I don't (laughs) understand what I'm saying or what I'm supposed to say here. If you think if you would only give up a first round pick if the Islanders go to the conference final, right? Right. So if you think you're going there anyway when you're acquiring him, wouldn't you take that gamble that you're going to make it anyway and give up the first round there with the condition being making it to the second round? I just allow I, I allow myself for a little bit of doubt, right? Like if I think I'm making the conference, then I'm obviously making the second round. But if I don't make the conference, or if I don't make the second round, even then, well, okay, well, I haven't lost the first round. It's just it's me being conservative. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's just me being more conservative. That's it. Okay, I see. I would. I would give it up because at that point in the second round, you are picking what twenty twenty third. Maybe something like that, yeah. And then conference finals twenty eighth. So it's five picks in the late twenties. I, I am not worried. I'm not worried about it. Okay, I'm not. fair enough. You're right. Like the value of the twenty third over twenty eighth isn't much. It's very. It's marginal, if anything. And at that point, like the Islanders have one, two, three years out of the last five draft, right? No, out of the last six drafts where they have multiple first-rounders. 14, 15, and 18. Yeah, that's right. So I I think you could afford to skip a year. Oh, you're right, yes. And and I'm definitely willing to trade it under what I feel are adequate adequate conditions. But the rest of the conditions are fine. Like, I'm willing to give up Kiefer Bellows. Yes. Yes, he's here now, and I'm excited about it. But if I'm getting Jean-Gabriel Pajot, right. And, and if we re-sign him, even even better. I'm so down for that. He's exactly what the Islanders need to rejuvenate that third line. He's not the guy that's going to make them into Stanley Cup contenders. Obviously, we haven't laid that out in the conditions. But he changes things. He moves the needle forward, at least a, a step forward for the Islanders. Well, I mean, think about it. If you trade for JG Pajot and then he did re-sign, you got to put that up there with one of the best center groups in the league, no? You would have to. Yeah, I, I from agree. From top to bottom? From top to bottom? One of. There's still better ones out there, obviously, but like, yeah, absolutely. Their, their top one through four is great. That's what I mean. Like, there's others that are a little bit on the top heavy side. And, uh, of course, there's other teams that I probably would take their center group over the Islanders, even with J.G. Pajot. But I, I guess the point I'm saying is that you can go back to rolling four lines comfortably. Yeah, this spine is solid for the Islanders, for sure. Absolutely, with that, with Barzell, Nelson, Pajot, Sezikis. Yeah, which I'm all for it. We've talked about this guy's been on the radar for a long time. Obviously, I'd prefer to give up a second rounder, but if it did turn into a second with the condition that it could go to a first round pick in that scenario, I think I would do it. Okay, so then what about Ron Hainsey then? Does that change? Does that do anything for you, or are you just kind of like cool seventh guy? Great. Exactly. I, I take this. I take him on as a seventh guy. I'm fine with it. Yeah. So same thing. Like I, I have no problems with Ron Hainsey. Like they're going to sign someone. 
right? They're going to sign a, a veteran defenseman. It could very well be Dennis Seinenberg, right? Like we saw him practicing He's with practicing, the Islanders. Yeah. yeah. Could very well sign him to a deal. Um, doesn't mean he's going to play though, right? Like they did that last year. They're just expanding roster, just making sure they got another guy around. That's all it is. Right. I, I'm cool with them having Haynes in the trade. Yeah. So like, this is just shoring up the blue line. We know they're going to go and get a defenseman. We know, already know that that happens. It's going to happen no matter what. Uh, they're getting a guy that Lou likes, or they would in this scenario be getting a guy that Lou likes and has already brought in once before, right? Like he, he, brought him to Toronto when he was the GM there. True. So he knows him. He likes him. That That's usually a, a, a lose MO. Do I know him? Do I like him? Yes. Done. Done. And then Jean-Gabriel Peugeot is just perfect for what the Islanders need, what they do even, right? Like he's a great two-way player, great on the penalty kill, great in his own end, uh, just does everything, uh, the, 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 the simple things well. And he'll listen. He's not a diva at all, even though he's scoring, what, 20 goals already for the first time in his career? Second time. Like, he has 32 points in 50 games. He's on pace for a career year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's put up really solid numbers, and I, to me, this seems like a move that Lou would make at the deadline. I know he hasn't made one. The Islanders really don't make moves at the deadline, so I don't want to get my hopes up too much, but... This is a deal that makes sense if you're looking at it through the lens of like what would Lou Lamarillo do. It really does, and, and yes, Kiefer Bellows is involved, but and, and they they've recently called them one of their A prospects. But I think this is a little bit of gamesmanship on their behalf, going like let's pump his tires a little bit. I'm not saying he's in the shop window, but like if teams are looking at him, all right, well let's make him look real good in terms of just what we say about him, and then they're like that raises the value a little bit. It does. So I, I don't think that they're shopping him necessarily, but if someone's going to come sniffing around and asking for him, I think they're okay with losing him because they, they don't necessarily feel at, at the moment that he's going to change the game for them going forward within the next year or two. He's not that game changer yet. In three years, maybe, but they're in win-now mode. They need help now, and if he's not going to give it to them, then you, you, you gots to go if that's what it takes. Right, you're exact. You took the words out of my mouth. He he's a long term, probably solution. I would say, but if you're trying to win now, sometimes you gotta move those guys who could be good two, three years from now when you are trying to win this year and the year after. Yeah. So at some point, you got to do something, and uh, this seems like the deal that Lou would make, like you said before. It's not the big splashy deal, but it's a sensible deal. Absolutely. Shall we get into the quiz, Mitch? Yes, let's do that. So as you know, it's the Martin Pirot edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 129. So Matt, I'm going to ask you three questions about Martin Pirot, and I hope you get them all right. Now, this is a player you should know. You know the name already, so you should know at least one of these. But I've made the questions a little bit harder than before. Okay. So just because of name recognition. All right. Question number one. What position did he play? Goalie. Correct. That one was an easy one. Getting you all buttered up here. Thank Number you. two. There's a Martin Biron rule in the NHL. What is it? I don't know. You can only wear whole numbers because he used to wear number zero zero. Oh, really? Yeah. So you can only wear numbers one through, it used to be 99 until they retired Gretzky's number. Now it's only up to 98, obviously. 
So only integers. That's right. So you can only wear whole numbers in the NHL because of Martin Biron. Last question. What is something only he, Martin Biron, and four other players have ever done in NHL history? So there are five players in NHL history who've done this one thing. He being one of them. Complete guess. Yep. Play goalie for both Islanders and Rangers? Oh, so close. Essentially, yes. Uh, what is something... He's only he's one of five players... I was going to read the question over again. Who've played for all three New York teams. Because he started oh, okay. off in Buffalo. Oh, okay. So it was okay. him, Pat LaFontaine, obviously, Jason Daw, Tom Pyatt, and Mike Donnelly. Okay, that's a good question. That was a really good one. Thank you. So yeah, a lot harder than than the usual. How many points did he score? I was gonna ask you like, <laughs> what was his goals against average? And I thought that was gonna be really hard to figure out. To, to pick out, yeah. Yeah, it was three fifty two, by the way. Um, but I thought this Not was great. more fun. It was. Thank you for giving me some more info on him. You're welcome. All right. So when we come back, we're gonna get into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson talking Islanders hockey with you. Getting into the social segment, Mitch, what do you got for us this week? So first one is, again, I exist solely on Twitter. I say this every week, although a little bit of Reddit. Uh, it's at NYI fan for life. Sorry, NYI fans for life. Uh, me, whenever hashtag Isles fans try to point out that our eight offensive black hole forwards are actually good. And it's a, a split screen meme of, of Parks and Rec. And you got Leslie Nope saying, but it has a lot of heart. And then Ben Wyatt <laughs> saying, that's what people always say when something sucks. <laughs> that's too real. Yeah. Too real. It's perfect. Oh, it's my God. First, Parks and Rec, big fan. Second, spot on. Sadly accurate. Yeah. Okay, I got one. Uh, it's from someone in the radio industry I don't really care for. Uh Okay. Brian Monzo, he's oh, a yes. former producer of Mike Francesa, he's still a producer at WFAN. He tweets, the irony of there being just so much craziness and news in the New York sports scene in the last few weeks is that 84% of the teams absolutely suck. Knicks, Giants, Jets, and Mets, been painful. Rangers, on up, but not a contender. Yanks, always in the mix. One team. So people said, even, uh, and then Matt Forsyth comes back and says, even though I'm a Rangers fan, the Islanders don't count, question mark. So he says, the Isles, Nets, and Devils are not New York teams. Islanders are a Long Island team. Devils are in New Jersey. I'm not getting into the silliness with the Giants and Jets that they play in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And the Nets... I don't know. With the Knicks, not with the Knicks, they're not viewed as New York City's team. As in, like the net because the Knicks are in town, they're not viewed as the Nets aren't viewed as New York City's team. How can you just be like so dismissive? I get you're just making up rules here. This is this <laughs> we're living in Brian Monzo's world because a team with the name New York Islanders. So New York being the the city, I guess where they're located, right? Because that's what comes first. It's it's the city, yep, and then the name. 
New York. They're not the Long Island Islanders. That would sound stupid. The Long Island Islanders? Dumb. But they're branded as a New York team with paying homage to Long Island with their name as the Islanders. Is that like a weird concept to grab? I'm not quite getting this. So he listed off the Mets, right? He listed off the Mets, correct. Aren't they on Long Island? Queens is on Long Island, correct. Yes, the Jets played in Queens for a very long time and practiced on Long Island for a long time. Right, like they shared Chase Stadium with the Mets. I looked this up beforehand because I was was also trying to understand the rules, going like, okay, well, maybe he's excluding teams who maybe at one point didn't play in New York or something like that. And I was going, but it doesn't make any sense. Like, they all play in New York. It's all New York. It's just a different section of New York. Like, everyone from Long Island will say, like, yeah, I live on Long Island, but it's New York, right? Like, that's what it is. Yeah, it's a part, like, there's always these commercials when they run all the time where it's like, if Long Island was a, the America's 51st state, we'd be the 11th biggest or based on population or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Point is, yes, Long Island is a part of New York. And I, I just don't, I don't get it. If there was a team, like, that'd be like saying, if you, if there was a team... The Canadian Canadians. And you're like, well, they're really a Montreal team. They don't represent all of Canada because they play in Montreal, but their their name is the Canadian, the Canada Canadians. I I, I just, mind-numbingly dumb take. Yeah, no, that was that was bad. That was bad. Like, the Ottawa Senators play currently in a place, it's, it is Ottawa now, but it wasn't Ottawa for a while. It was finally amalgamated in, um, but it wasn't originally Ottawa. Do they not count? Like no, they they count because you're still Ottawa. New York still counts. Like all, anyways. I it's it sounds like some weird made up rules to exclude like teams based on something specifically because he's like I don't want to explain myself. But here are the rules outside of the one that I'm trying to not explain. Just give me the rule then. What are the rules you're using? What are the parameters you have? Because I I have no problem if you explain yourself. You show your work, fine. But like there's no showing of work and it's on purpose to be the devil's. The Devils one I could understand because it's like, oh, that's New Jersey. Like, okay, I could get behind that. I consider them a metropolitan area team, but I could say, okay, fine. They, they're not. But they count the Giants and the Jets. Yeah, and that's the weird part because they, they play in New Jersey, but they are the the New York Jets and Giants. So <sighs> why not the Islanders? It seems like, oh, well, I just wanted to make it about the Yankees. Thanks. All right. Like we already, we all know that the Yankees are good. We, no one's questioning that. I don't know. I just think I just think it's very weird. It's a very New York thing. Very New York. I we, like I've never seen that outside of New York. Mainly because the where I live or around where I live, we don't have a billion teams. We just don't. Like even Toronto has one of everything. They don't have two. So I'm not used to that. No, it, it's rare. It's definitely a rare thing in uh, in sports, and it causes for a lot of drama. That's for sure. That's right. So my next one is from at Isles Historical, and it says, uh, hashtag, on this day in 2011, the Isles defeat the Senators 5-3 in a game that saw Ottawa goalie Robin Leonard clothesline Islanders Kevin Poulain. Rob Shrimp led the offense in this game, notching two goals. Travis Hamnick and Franz Nielsen also both had two points each. Okay. And then you see a video of Leonard in, in in a Senators jersey. Jack Capuano makes a cameo. It's just all kinds of, you know, Old feelings coming up again. <laughs> Tons of early 2010s nostalgia. Yeah, Trevor Gillies is there looking menacing. It's just perfect. As always, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's not, it feels good. Oh, no, that was that was a good one to share, especially with the Robin Leonard connection, too. Right. So do you have another one? 
Yeah, my last one is uh, Isles MSG put this out. So oh, they God, no. did a video of the Anthony Beauvillier overtime goal, but they also showed the camera angle that was on uh, Brendan Burke while he was making the call. And I thought that was really cool. I like those a lot. The Mets started doing that this year with uh, their booth. They'd call it like the, the booth cam or whatever, and they'd show – uh, Gary Cohen, who's the play-by-play guy, and then either Keith Hernandez or Ron Darling, they alternate who's the color commentator. And everyone ate it up. It was great. They loved it. And I think this is this is perfect. Give me more of that, please. Yeah, it it, it doesn't look how it sounds, right? Like, he, he sounds so, like, crazy animated, like he's going nuts, but it's... He's so businesslike. He's so he's so good. He's so good. And businesslike when he's making the call, like, bro, yep, there it goes. And like you see his, his actual physical demeanor, like, yeah, okay, and then I will process the next, look up at the time, how much time is like you see all every deliberate move he's making, and it's wild. It's just something I, I've watched at least ten times over. Maybe it's cause I'm a broadcasting nerd, so I kinda like go towards it, but I just like I can't get enough of those videos. Like I just love watching like their reactions to what's happening, how they do it, why they're doing the different things, and I just love it. It's perfect. Yeah, it's a peek behind the curtain, and a curtain you've always wanted to peek behind. No, exactly. So was that it for you as well on social? I had one more, and this is from MSG Networks. I thought you were going to steal my tweet here. Uh, And this is, at 24 years old, Patrick Mahomes joins Isles legend Brian Trotche as one of the youngest athletes to win a league MVP championship and finals playoff MVP. Okay. That's cool. I like that. Right? That feels darn good. That's a nice little little caveat or, or a recall back to the, the Super Bowl, that Super Bowl thing that happened. I don't know. Whatever. Did you watch it? I Yeah, I watched it until the 49ers scored, and they had that celebration in the end zone where they're all like, oh, we won. Yeah, this is great. And then I saw the oh, meltdown the on Twitter happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll do it. I but, wish uh, I watched that live. That would have been a lot more fun. It was a it was a good game. I liked it. It was you know two of you know the best teams in the league going at it, and uh, it was definitely a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad Chris Traeger and you came out. Man, I, I'm too much into Parks and Rec. I'm too much. I'm almost done. <laughs> good. I'm glad you're going through. This is a rewatch for you, right? You've already seen it once through. I haven't seen the last season. I saw like two episodes of the last one, and I hated it, so I stopped okay. it. So I'm gonna I'm watching it all to kind of get me back in the motion, and I'm gonna watch the last season, all of it. I'm not gonna stop even though I might not like it. Gotcha. Love that you're powering through. Thanks. So we just want to get some plugs in here before we go. So wherever you are listening to this, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review. It really helps us out a ton, and we really appreciate all the love and support. You could also subscribe to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. Like Mitch said earlier, you get a post-game show, a mailbag show, which we're going to be recording right after this, a newsletter, uh, and, and a ton of extra content and a really cool community of Islanders fans. So if you're interested, head on over there. Five bucks a month gets you all of those things. You can follow along with us on social media, on Twitter, at Eyes on Isles FS. My Twitter is at Matt O'Leary and why Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You could like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, or visit the website eyesonisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, episode 129 in the books. It was a fun one. Can't wait to get back after it next week. Let's do it next week, 130. That'll do it for us on the Eyes on Isles podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. 
We'll talk to you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.